Hello. <laughs> and welcome to episode 8 of SOS Library. We are back again to talk about the good, the bad, the overhyped, and the underrated books that we've read this month. And as always, we have Stan. Hello. Stan. Hello. And me, Lynn. So basically, today we're going to be talking about Pachinko. Finally finished. Yay! Yay! The book club book that we read today, I mean this month, Bunny by Mona Awad, and then the best and the worst of the month. Getting into it, we're going to talk about Pachinko episode 8. Finally, the finale. What are our overall thoughts on the final episode of season 1? The first thing that we noticed or that was commented on was the change in the theme music. Yes. It was so, a cover? It was a cover of the song that they've been using, but the one that they've been using was better. So, like, why did they do the cover? We really liked, or at least Shannon and Lynn really liked, the intro music to this, the episodes. It was, like, fun and upbeat um, and they got like some random women or whatever to do like an ac- acoustic jazz cover of it that was maybe a tonal shift or them trying to do a tonal shift, but was not received well by us. Yeah, I feel like it didn't match with um, the dancing and like the upbeat nature of the opening title sequence i just think that the title sequence doesn't really match the whole vibe of the entire show because the show is very sad i agree it yeah but it's like one of the best part (laughs) (laughs) like it was a really title sequence you know yes and i also think that there were some I I mentioned in my comments sound mixing issues. Oh my gosh, yes. I am very frustrated with the sound quality for this show. I remember reading an article recently about um, sound mixing on streaming platforms and how things that have been released for like uh, like cable network TV or for movies like haven't been properly adjusted for streaming systems. Because obviously when these things were usually filmed, it's not with the adaptation of streaming in mind. But that still is confusing because this was never on TV and it was never a movie. So I'm very confused by the way that they've sound mixed it. Because sometimes it's like so, so devastatingly quiet that you can barely hear the words. And then other times it's just chaotically loud. Yeah, sometimes you would be like upping the volume and then you'd have to immediately press again to lower the volume. Yes. (laughs) But... We're introduced, because there's another time skip, to baby Noah. Noah! Marley? The highlight. Noah. The cutest little little guy. He's like seven, which I think is aged up from the book, which I think was a good choice. And I think I he was like the highlight of the episode. The Noah in the show is completely different than the Noah in the book, from what I've seen so far. Can you elaborate? I just feel like the Noah in the show is more sassier than the one in the book. How do you mean sassier? I don't know. He had like quips and like 
I feel like the one in the book just kind of was really quiet, really reserved, right? And then he would just be in the, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, he wouldn't oh, have I get scripts it. about like, oh, uh, did you Take ever it- have this one-year party for me? Or like, did you, can I just mm. do this for my brother? Like, he seemed more vocal. And like, I don't imagine Book Noah to be crying and running after his dad the way movie or show Noah did. Yeah, I think... I think the biggest change, too, is that in this episode that we get, we see Noah literally, like, translating for Sinja. And then if you think about the, um like, future Sinja, the one we've spent the most time with at this point in the show, her Japanese is actually really good, right? So she's clearly, like, picked up the language at that stage. But I think in the book, like, Sinja had picked up the language earlier, like, not super well. She still needed, like, her sister-in-law um, and her brother-in-law every now and then. But she had actually, like, adapted more to being able to speak Japanese at that point. I'm not sure why they made the choice to have her still not be able to understand Japanese at that point. But I think that's part of the reason why Noah was so sassy. It's because he was part of the, the translation. Also, I think in the book, they really wanted Noah to be a mirror to Isaac. and. Yeah. Moses to be a mirror to Hansu. Yeah. Right? I think that was so, the thing I was going to mention that like Noah from the beginning or from when he was born, he was taught or he was instilled the importance of school from his dad, right? From Isaac. Yes. But it seemed like in the show, Hansu was the one who hammered that in for him at the very end was that in the book i feel like maybe it might have played some part in the book it's just that i feel like isaac isaac's role as his father or bringing uh, bringing him up was totally diminished just by that scene at the end with hansu yeah I I really liked how strong that bond he had with his father was in the book and in the show, but I think they depicted it a little differently. I think the show depicted him more as like revolutionary, like almost figure Mm -hmm. towards the end because that's what ends up, you know, getting him captured. Whereas in the book, it was more gray. Yeah. I just really didn't like Hansu calling Isaac a fool. <sighs> we are an Isaac Stan family. <laughs> we are an Isaac Stan family. Um, Isaac number one. It was so heartbreaking, yeah. honestly. that I think that the whole arc in the past that was depicted in the finale was very well done up until maybe the end with the Hansu thing because... Again, we're not fans of Hansu. We don't like Hansu. We don't like his influence. We don't like anything about him. So we don't like that. But another part that I felt like was really jarring was the flashback and forth to the present. Uh, with Hannah and Solomon and then back to Sunja and Noah losing Isaac. Right. So someone, I think, was it you, Lynn or Shan, who talked about why they did that parallel? Oh, I think somebody mentioned that it's like the mother is losing 
Hannah's mother is losing her, like physically. Hannah is dying. And in the past, they super cut it with Sunja and Noah because that's the moment where Sunja loses Noah, in a sense, somebody said. Oh, I think that was me. I was sitting here being like, wow, that's a really good point. And I was like, wait. Yeah, I that's probably that. you because I didn't say it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I didn't I, like it. I, I don't didn't... like Solomon. <laughs> I mean, Solomon aside, I also think that Hannah had an outsized importance um, in the first yeah. season of the show as compared to the book. And I think that for those who have read the book and who know Hannah, the book character, she's not a great character in the book, but she serves a purpose to move the story forward, right? And in the show, it just felt like maybe this actress is really famous or <laughs> or maybe they just wanted more reasons for us to like try and be sympathetic to Solomon. Like it just, at some point you're sitting there and you're like, why do we keep coming back to this girl? Why isn't she dead yet? Yeah, I kept saying, I, I was just waiting for her to die. I It's just, I feel like she's, she's there as like a bad influence to, to Solomon. Like he had so much growth and then suddenly one word from her and he's like back to his old ways. Did she, did we see her pass away? Mm, it's pretty much implied that she passed away. But she, we didn't. It wasn't shown that she's dying. I did say, or uh, my partner did say that there is a lot of showing, not telling in this story, which he is a fan of. But to the point where sometimes he's like, "Wait, what's happening?" Because <laughs> he never read the books. So he's like, "Who's this guy again?" And sometimes we're like, "We don't know." There's this newly introduced like. Yakuza guy or like whatever care we're just like we don't know who these people are <laughs> yeah it's crazy and like nothing is resolved everything is a cliffhanger yes because I think they're getting a season two yeah I feel like I my so. theory my theory is like they're gonna make it like a two or three season show and they're gonna start off with the earliest or like the most recent generation, which is Solomon, and then maybe work back from there because, you know, they introduced Noah at the very end, and there's so much more to night to Noah that mm. we haven't learned about. Yes, and there was still some confusion of, like, my partner again thought that Noah was Moses, but yeah. and we yeah. were like, no, no, no. That's not the same guy. <laughs> oh, oh, mm. oh! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's a really good impression of him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I would say uh, I would give it like two and a half stars because I didn't like half of it. Yeah, I think the the what we all agreed on was the ending made up for it because after the show ended they had like a little portion dedicated to the actual women who were who moved to Japan when they were like in their teens and then they had to live there and they're kind of like 
stuck there because now this is their home, right? They don't know anything other than Japan. They are stateless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was like the plus. Yeah, I think that was honestly the only part of the show that like brought me to tears. Um, Were you crying? I was like very teary in my corner. Oh, shame. I generally like have a very hard time with people talking about things like, you know, like I can't go back home um, or like there is no home for me. Um, And also just like thinking about how so much of their lives were spent surviving, right, as opposed to to being able to just live. Mm. But yes, I thought I thought that really saved it. So I think I would also give it like two and a half stars because it also wasn't just like a glossing over like they actively talked to these women and and made an effort to highlight the real realism, I think, of what we're seeing, which I appreciated. Yeah, I would also give it two and a half. Like, I feel like there were some artistic choices that they made that wasn't the correct ones. <laughs> yeah, <mind>. I wish <laughs> that it, I wish they went in chronological order. I think it yeah, would I agree. More- like, I know Lynn was talking about, like, splitting it into seasons, but I feel like it would have made more sense for, like, season one to be, like, the Sunja arc and season two to be, like, the Moses and Noah arc and, like, season three to be the Solomon arc in terms of the way the book is structured. Yeah, but I think people will drop off mm, true. at the end of that. I think maybe their thinking is if they do it this way, they'll try to change the story a little bit for no- Solomon so that it's enticing enough for people to keep watching and then the later seasons will hopefully get even better i'm just thinking what is this show for if not for people who've already read the book and if they read the book they already know what's coming so they would be compelled to continue watching i agree i also i just on lynn's point where she was talking about like artistic choices that should have been made um directors i'm begging what's with the angles of the show you had some very attractive people in the show and the angles you chose were not great for a lot of them (laughs) did you notice it for this episode not for this episode, but I think like for a lot of the more intimate scenes, um, <laughs> and also bird's just, eye view, or even like the awkward, like the way they frame some of the characters in general. It's just like I know these aren't ugly people. What is happening right now? <laughs> I don't know if I would want to watch season two. Yeah, same. Or if I don't we do, watch it. yeah. Or if we do, I don't think we will talk about it on the podcast because yeah. it's just very heavy. Also, yeah. I just hope you know, like it gets better, but uh, we're not in the rush to continue watching it. Yes. All right, we can finally close the chapter, chapter. on this <laughs> and move on to. Funny by Mona Awad. Stan? Uh, yes. So Bunny is about this girl named Samantha Heather Mackey, who attends an English program at a prestigious university called Warren University. Uh, and her cohort consists of four girls in a clique who call each other Bunny. Uh, much resentment has built up over the years of her being the outsider versus these bunnies until one night the bunnies invite her into their circle and hijinks hijinks ensues 
So <laughs> non non spoiler reviews from everyone. It was a trip, I guess. This was triggering as an English major. <laughs> In like say... a bad way. <laughs> you know, I really liked being an English major, but this reminded me of all the things that made me not like being an English major. <laughs> so like, I don't know if that's bad or not. <laughs> it just reminded me of a lot of things I had kind of willfully forgotten about. So I had previously read a very strange, like almost experimental type of book. And I really, really liked it. And I was craving another weird and interesting book. And this like filled that niche for me really nicely. I like ate it up. Um, so I, I thoroughly liked it. I thought there were some banger lines and really cool literary references. Um but I can understand that it it is a little weird or a trip, like like a like an acid trip maybe. It was definitely very weird. I think for me, the type of reader I am is I want answers, and I don't think any of my answers were really. I mean, <laughs> questions. Any of my questions were really answered. Like there were so many. I had like a lot of the times I didn't really understand what was going wrong on because I think the whole point of it is trying to make you question what was real and what was not real and I guess yes. it did a good job in that yeah unreliable narrator vibes yeah and then there's so much like magical or like impossible things happening and I'm just like how and where is this happening from or like why can they just suddenly do all of this stuff like none of that was explained to me you know and that's like, magical realism for you lynn yeah i think we've established that lynn does not like magical realism i don't like magical realism i yeah. thought it was also lynn no stan doesn't like it oh, yeah my bad. <laughs> but it was flipped this time yeah i wonder why i think because in other books, they give you, like, a little bit of reasoning as to why this is happening or, like, the process, you know? But here it's just like, oh, your imagination can come to life. But why? Does that mean everybody can do this? No, just the creative writing English majors. Remember the poetry <laughs> ones were Neanderthals. So... Every, so even her teachers, instructors that were teaching creative literature can do all this. Like if they tried hard enough, maybe. It's, I don't know. It's just very. I wanted to know why this is happening, but like just, you it, just it, gotta. Just, the process take... makes no sense. But I guess that's what the writing process and the art process is, right? Like you, there's no process. <laughs> Say process no one more time. Process. <laughs> yeah I think a lot of writers or I think what Awad was trying to maybe say or again just speculation was writers are really fucking pretentious sometimes <laughs> and like they have to go through all these hoops they have to go through all of this like these rituals if you will to create their art and sometimes it's messy and sometimes people get hurt 
but it's all in the name of, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just talking out of my ass now. <laughs> You're doing what an English student would do. I feel like I should be offended by that statement, but I'm not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how I feel every time I'm in an English class. You have you like you have to put meaning into the words that the author is writing, you know? Like even if you don't see anything, you make it up and make it I, fit. Okay, so I think that's like kind of the stereotype of English majors in the way that like you know, people are like engineers are really good at math, but they can't like see what people's emotions are, that kind of thing. Um or understand emotions rather. Uh sorry to any engineers out there. So many of my friends are engineers. I love y'all. <laughs> but I think that a lot of time good literature does actually have that. I think that there are certain English teachers who definitely try to like browbeat meaning into things. And that's probably why you felt that way, Lynn, where it's like, you know, to use the age old example, like, why are the curtains blue? It's because the author was depressed, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, mm, maybe the author just wanted the curtains to be blue. But I think that in in a lot of writing, there is a lot of meaning that tends to get glossed over if people aren't really reading critically. And I think that's really kind of the the difference between a good English class and a mediocre one, because the mediocre ones are the ones where teachers come in with like preconceived notions of what the meaning is um, or preconceived notions of what the meaning should be for the students. And... Mm -hmm. When I was an English major, obviously you have to do like English 101 and 102 before you go on to the higher levels, right? So it's not just people who are interested in English, it's people who are really just taking those classes because they need gen eds or they think it's going to be easier or something, right? And the difference that I noticed between like a very intro English class in college and a more niche one, uh, like female writers in global literature, right? is that you have a lot of people who come in already under understating what's happening. You know, again, I'm not critiquing you, Lynn. I'm just, you know, riffing off of what you said where you're like, well, why are, like, you're going to tell me that there's meaning in the rug or meaning mm -hmm. in the cloud in the sky. And so I think English teachers are sometimes fighting an uphill battle against the, like, I have to prove that this is meaningful. or And so that's why I can sometimes feel a little browbeaten too. Whereas when you're going into a class like the, female authors in global American literature, just global literature in general, right? Everyone wants to be there. So there's already kind of a base of no one's going to make you feel silly or call into question the things that you're saying. It's a or, safe space. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, you know, you can say what you want and it's a it's an open discussion, right? And just to get away from the example of like the blue curtain, I think that there are also moments where literature can be used to really exemplify moments in history like we see with Pachinko, right? Um, or that we've seen in some of the other books that we've read in general. And I think that is the value of it. And I think what we see in Bunny specifically, just to kind of get back to the, the point here, is that Samantha clearly does not feel safe in this like base of English uh, mm. literature in this classroom, right? Even so, at this high level. Yes. And I think it's one thing when you're like going through like elementary to high school and there's no real like tracks in those schools. You're not really picking a focus, but this isn't even undergrad, right? Like this is an MFA program. It's like very selective. Uh, Samantha and the bunnies remind us over and over again that it's very hard to get in 
and that kind of thing. And so I think she gets there with this expectation of this is going to be like a safe space where this is going to be a place where I can flourish and then it's not. And so she just completely shuts off. And I think that's why the book starts where it starts with her just like really hating these girls and like really hating where she's at. Yeah, I do think also that the author might also not want us to take it or have people take themselves too seriously because I guess we'll just go into spoilers now. We've already... Mm -hmm. Um, because towards the end, when she kind of gets out of this f- frenzy, um, she's like staring at like a janitor or something. And he's just like shaking his, be- shaking his head being like, oh, English, liter- like, uh, was it liberal arts students and their end of year projects, you know, it gets crazier every year. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't even like bat an eyelash at like, people running around with like bloodied axes. It's <laughs> like bloodied axes or like bloodied feathers. It's like something ridiculous is really all that matters. It, like, yeah. It's... I think there was like a weapon being held and they were running across campus and she was just like, do people not see this? But people do see it, but it's in the lens of, oh, it's these ridiculous liberal arts students again. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the book is just one big uh, critique of both MFA programs in the United States um, <laughs> and also of the ways in which people kind of hold up the writing process as this like super holy, like sacrosanct thing. Um, because I think it's kind of like art you know like sometimes people will look at art in like the moma or whatever and be like i could make that why is this in here right lynn says that all the time i feel like (laughs) no i know i don't think i could make it i I mean we could all probably make a jason pollock but we're not jason pollock but why (laughs) why is his art so much better oh my god if i did the same thing I feel like, actually, for context, this is probably very funny for you, Stan. Um, Lynn and I were both in AP English together <laughs> our junior year of high school. I was um, never in AP English. Wait, weren't you? We had an English, like, thing together. Was it an elective? Temporary lit. Oh, yes. We were in an elective together. And I just remember you being very, like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> About all of those books. And I actually really liked a lot of them. <laughs> I like yeah, some of them. And that's why you became an English major and, and not Lynn, me. <laughs> and Lynn didn't become an English major. <laughs> Except you went into communication, which is like, you know, transformative media to, you know, communicate messages and stuff, which is sort of like literature, but I digress. But I don't do any of that stuff for, for work anyway. Oh yeah, neither do I. <laughs> I mean, neither does Shan, but, you know. <laughs> it is what it is. Um. But yeah, I think like, you know, back to that example of like the art and being like, well, I could do that, right? Um, In writing or in English, there's this idea of like what the writing process is supposed to look like. And I think the whole like bunny creative process, if you want to call it bunny creation, it's really just kind of not Fucked up playboy bunny making. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that is what it is. Um, Except they don't have dicks. 
So are they really? They can't fuck anyway. And yeah, their useless. hands are not hands. They're like weird paws. Ooh, yeah, really. Weird. Yeah, really. It's weird. weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like if you're looking in for like some weird funky like furry body horror, this is the book for you. I, don't, <laughs> I think I don't understand how a bunny blows up, and then a person walks in another door. Because it's that's shaking. just the premise. Yeah, it's just, it's, you just have to accept the premise. And if we take the the allegory, right? Like, like, just stay with me for a sec, Lynn. Like, if we take the allegory of like the bunny blowing up and a fully fleshed person walking in, like, is that not the process of taking a thought and turning it into an essay or like a physical, like, version of your thoughts? Because it's a concept, and then it's a real thing. Yeah, but it's in your head, and then you write it out, so it's connected somehow, right? She what wants a portal. Bunny, she, what is she this bunny? She this wants bunny a portal. explodes, and then out of thin air, something comes out from a different room. That's what writing is fundamentally. It is out of thin air. Your yeah, thoughts are just a concept. So you're translating it through your through like a medium, yourself and your hand and the paper. They are mm. transforming the bunny by standing around it and but they're not transforming the, the bunny. Hmm. Would you feel slow. better about this if the bunny just like digivolved? Yes. <laughs> hmm. Don't read the book that I'm gonna recommend you, Lynn. Don't don't read it. <laughs> when we talk about best books, worst books, don't don't read the best book. Because <laughs> cause it does take again, it was like weird, experimental, and you just have to accept the premise that this is something that happens and it's not explained why. It's it's about the vibes. Yeah, and I think the vibes of this book are like, it was here and now it's not, you know? And that's how creative writing or writing in general is. It was here and now it's not. It's not or my it vibe. It wasn't then. here and now it is here. <laughs> it is not my vibe. So if you want answers, don't read this book. But this if you book want will vibes, not answer a thing. Yeah, it won't answer. <laughs> it won't give you that satisfaction because it's unreliable in its narration and it's strange in its execution. But it does, I feel like, have a lot to say, um, which is what I liked about it. Which totally understandable. If you want something more concrete, this is not the book for you. But I think if you're looking for something a little weird, if you're in that weird mood. And you don't get triggered by being an English major. This might, <laughs> this might be the book for you. I will say it was still better than Contact. Oh, 100% <laughs> better than Contact. I will also happily jump on this train and say that, like, this did make me kind of miss my cohort of um, senior, like, classmates. Normal because, people. <laughs> yeah, normal people. Fully normal people. Full disclosure. <laughs> and just like the the closeness and kind of the buddy buddiness that comes with like being tasked with investigating like a very vague concept so in bunny um what they're discussing is like the body of the work and what that really means and like tapping into meaning um from that kind of thing and it just strongly reminded me of my senior year in college where i was in like an honors class it was super small it was not as small as this book i think in this book there were five women and my cohort it was like 12 um but we were tasked with like the concept of identity and what that means um 
And so mm. just like, what a heavy, heavy theme. <laughs> no, this is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like sometimes when you go into like the higher levels of like English uh, as a, a scholarly topic, you get into this point of being like, are we just doing philosophy? Like, what's the vibe mm. right now? <laughs> Gets pretty deep. Um, so Lynn being like, but what's the why? That was like me, my first three months of being a senior in an English honors class where I was like what we're doing what <laughs> and I felt I felt more grounded once I had picked the body of work that I wanted to explore identity with and I very much wonder if maybe part of the reason why Samantha was so like engulfed into the bunnies in that like second part is because she had finally felt like she'd found some grounding um by being part of that but not realizing that she still hadn't really figured it out for herself, if that makes any sense. Like, she was just grasping onto their ideas instead of, like, doing the work within herself. Yeah, when you don't have a self-identity, it's easy to go and join a cult. <laughs> um, <laughs> or when you just don't have any friends. <laughs> it gave a lot of, uh, it gave off Mean Girl vibes, Heather vibes. Like, which... Hey, people love Mean Girls yeah. and Heathers. Oh, yeah. If anyone's ever seen Heathers, um, Max was giving heavy JD vibes. I also really liked some of the one-liners. I'll just read one that I thought was really funny, where she said, Suddenly, I am the weird, sad circus vegetable, and it's the absurdly priced organic produce that is staring at me with something like horror. <laughs> And I'm just like, that's just a really funny line to me. Did I laugh when I was reading this book? <laughs> I don't think I did. Every time people were like, oh, I like your blah, blah, blah. Even if I wasn't wearing blah, blah, blah. I was just like, what's happening? What's going on? <laughs> Being like, oh, I like your dress. I'm not wearing a dress, but it's so cute. And it's like, thanks. I like yours too. And it's like, what? What's happening? Really funny. Weird strange very weird so weird very um, very weird i would love to read you both a line from notes i took while i was reading this oh, okay um, because it just made me laugh a little while i was reading it and this is like after i finished it right after i finished it i feel like this book got progressively more unhinged as we approached the end i truly could not tell you what I, what was real and what wasn't by the end that by the time we reached the end of it and it may have been intentional question mark question mark question mark yeah. Honestly, everything is kind of unclear. I think what was most obvious to me was that this was a critique of higher education and overall the creative process that people are asked to demonstrate. Ooh, maybe it's like when an English major is asked to write a piece and the deadline's getting closer and closer to the end and they get more like frantic and like sleepless, like that feeling maybe. Yeah. I think there was also, and I popped this in our Discord when I was reading the book, part of me could not tell if any of this was real or if Samantha was just hallucinating the whole Everything. time yeah, and was on, like, medication. And so, like, the part of the books where she's part of the bunnies or where she was on her meds because she was actually taking the pills that the bunnies were giving her. I took it all at face value because I'm a gullible sucker punch piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be very clear here, I do not know which way was the way it was intended to be read. I think both are very viable theories. 
I was just going with it. I was just like, oh, they want to they wanna do what now? Okay, all right, they're going to do it. Or this, they're doing this now? Or, oh, she's tripping her balls off? Okay, and like, she's a swan? <laughs> okay, like, I just kept on like accepting the premise, which is I not like what the... a active reader should do. But I like the, the theory that it is all in her head and that certain scenes can be taken a different way. Uh, like with the bunnies where she's giving the... The bunnies are giving her meds, keep her, I guess, lucid. It reminds me of the movie Sucker Punched. I don't know. I have to watch that movie, but so, I want to. Basically, the women in the show are in a mental institution, right? Mm. But all of the things that are happening to them are, are in their heads. But the stuff that they're doing in their hallucinations are basically what they're trying to do in real life too. So it kind of reflects both what is mm. happening in real life and what's not happening in real life. So it would be interesting to, if it, if the book was written that way, but towards the end, I don't think so because everybody was just kind of, everybody's gone off the deep end at the end. Yeah. I will say a criticism except for the janitor. Except yeah. for the janitor. <laughs> I will say something I didn't like was I wanted it to be more gay. I feel like it was, to me, very obvious that Samantha was in love with Ava. But I felt like it was really subtle or maybe it was supposed to be open to interpretation, which feels very 2005 and not 2023. I didn't even notice or realize that she was in love with her until towards the end. Um, I think and after the, you guys said stuff about it. The joke is that most English majors are queer. So, <laughs> you know, you don't really have to theorize on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. I was right on the nose with it. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, what are we reading next month? We are reading Silver Nitrate by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Woo! Another horror, thriller, suspense. We're keeping this theme for the for the autumnal months. I like season. I liked Mexican Gothic a lot, and that was really weird, too. Yes. It's true. It was so fucking weird. It was very weird. We just oh want to read weird books, guys. Did I tell you guys one time I recommended, like, I I went on, like, a five-minute, like, you know, spiel about Mexican Gothic to someone who was looking for something to read, and they ended by going, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read Mexican Gothic, they were like, cool, as long as it doesn't revolve around mushrooms, it sounds like my story, and I went, ooh, don't read maybe it. not, <laughs> do not read anything. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying this, because I was like, that is such a... How often are mushrooms featured in a book? I know. That she had to put that caveat out there. I mean, honestly, I don't even think that she thought that it was going to be about mushrooms. It was just like a joking, like, haha. And then I was like, wait, are you being for real about the mushrooms? Or are you joking? She was like, no, I hate mushrooms. And I was like, no, really, don't read it then. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book, though. I highly recommend it. As long as you don't have a mushroom phobia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the book we're reading next month. And then I guess we can move on to the best and worst of this month. Stan, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I actually have both my best and worst books, hard copies right in front of me. 
So the best book that I read this month was Flux by Jinwoo Chong. Uh, it's a debut novel by a Korean American um, who's also queer. So it's a queer story. It's it's a it's okay. So how do I explain this? It's it follows three characters, um, and there's time travel, and there's themes of identity, technology, and family and loss and I think that's all I want to say about it because <laughs> I feel like if I say any more it'll kind of ruin the, the twists and plots that he's trying to weave um, and it feels really complex and intricate it's like all like linked together but you don't really it doesn't really tie in until like a third of the way in um, but I thought I wouldn't like it. I will say I like started reading the audiobook of it and I couldn't follow it. I was like this is confusing. I'm like lost. Who are these people? Why did they keep jumping because there's three different POVs? And I was like I can't keep track of them. And I was like maybe I just need to read the hard copy. So I requested the hard copy and I kind of reread the beginning. And then I was able to follow it. And then it it intrigued me. And then towards the end, because I'm a sucker for like family themes, I was like alone on a Saturday by myself reading this book. And I just became so introspective and like, I was like sobbing. I was like crying. <laughs> and I love crying when a book makes yeah. me cry. Uh, so I really liked the emotions that the book evoked. So that's what I would recommend, but not for Lynn. Because there's there's unanswered questions over the premise of what happens in the story. So if you like something that's kind of point A to point B, um, definitely not the book for you. But if you want something a little strange, which is what I think it is, and a little interesting and a little sad, then I would highly recommend this book. I was I was very happy that I read it. Um, I'm intrigued though it's a very intriguing book I would try to read it we'll see if I don't like it or not I've wanted my partner to read it and I've already renewed it three times because it's just sitting by his bedside and I'm like are you gonna read it and it's unopened Uh, as for the worst book I just finished a book called The Black Lion by a very well-known romance author named Jude Devereaux. Devereaux. It's French. Devereaux. Uh, it's her, also her debut book from 1980. Um, and it was probably the worst medieval historical romance I have ever read from front to back. Oh. <laughs> This is such a damning review. <laughs> I it I I will just say it can't be for me, I guess, because a lot of people really love this book. It's like started her career. And there are like 25 books about this family or this line that goes all the way up until like modern day from the 12th century, which is 
like I mean she's obviously doing something right you know this good for her for you. but it follows the story of this this uh, teenage girl who's like the daughter of a baron and this kind of this thing this guy called the black lion who's an earl and very powerful visits the castle and they fall in love instantly and the story follows the two characters um but i will say that there are a lot of trigger warnings there is sexual assault there's sexual abuse there is a lot of like manipulation there's not a lot of agency for the female character um there's kidnapping there's a lot of petty jealousy there's miscommunication but that's all you know if you take it in the negative sense in the positive sense if you have you know a love of alphas or the word alpha if you have a jealousy kink um if you're into non-consensual things you will love this book but there's also a lot of sh- uh not showing and just telling like it's just like at some point there's you know bad guys and they just disappear because the black lion who is all powerful or whatever he just decides to take care of them and that's the end of that storyline and that happens multiple times not a fan of those things happening i mean i guess it's just it's just for the romance but when the plot is that easily wrapped up I don't care. Do you so, think this is one of the cases where similar to Colleen Hoover, where we don't understand why people like these books, but they're just popular? Yeah. Or like um, what's her face? The woman who did the fifty shades. E E, e something James. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. It, it might be for, like, really bored housewives who just want to feel something or, or like, conservative women who like getting their rights taken away. I don't know. It, <laughs> it, there's a niche for everyone, right? So I can't say it's not for everyone, but it definitely was not for me. And I wouldn't recommend it to any contemporary woman that I, <laughs> that I know and love. That's fair. <laughs> Because there are a lot of red flags, and I don't think anyone in our modern society would find any of the actions that this man did acceptable. <laughs> and the woman just was completely steamrolled, and she liked being steamrolled. And that's just mind-boggling. It's like women who want their right to vote taken away. It's like it's like that sort of vibe. Amazing. Yeah. It's not us, in case y'all are wondering. Yeah. <laughs> We love voting. Maybe <laughs> choose to read Colleen Hoover. I didn't have a choice in the matter. I didn't know what I was getting into. That's fair. Well, now we know, and we won't read it. Um, I can go next. I feel like this month was a pretty good month for me. I didn't really have any uh, books that were below four stars, except for Bunny. Yay! I'm sorry. <laughs> what a good month for you, though, Lynn, if that's yeah, how your book's I, turned out. Yeah, and I don't think Bunny was a bad book, just not for me, you know? Um, I like the weirdness of it, even if I didn't get much answers, <laughs> if that makes Yay. sense. I feel like that's, like, contradictory, but I do like a weird book. 
Yay. I would prefer it if I had some answers, but it you would prefer a weird book over a boring book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say the only five star review I gave was for Daisy Jones and the Six. And Yay! I will say <laughs> the hype is real, I guess, for this book. Because I really enjoyed it. I didn't really know what to expect going into it. Like I And you don't like music. Or I don't like music. Well, that's a very hot statement. You it's don't not really a hot listen. statement if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast. Yeah. That's or, true. If you've or, been listening, if you're a loyal listener. <laughs> like I don't like music. It's just I don't I get it. out or like care to keep keep up with it. Yeah, like I'm not going to read a biography on a famous musician and I'm not going to understand like the impact that music yeah. has had on others. I get it, Lynn. It's not that you don't like music. It's just like if that was the focal point of a book. Yeah, I don't know. But this sort of was, it was very musical. It It was. It was, but it wasn't focused on the music itself, I feel like. It was focused about the people around in the music. The drama. The drama in the music. Well, Lynn, I regret to inform you that this was like low-key kind of based off of a real band in some ways. Yeah, I know, I know this. I know this. (laughs) What's crazy is it might even be like, the real thing might even be like worse sometimes. Or, like, more pronounced. Apparently, Stevie Nicks enjoyed the TV adaptation. Yeah. I don't know if she likes the book, but. All right. As someone who saw the TV adaptation actually really likes the book, I didn't like the TV adaptation. (laughs) That's what I heard, too. Um, But I liked how it was written, like, the formatting of it. Because um, it was very interesting to read the different points of views and how contradictory people's like memories can be and what people remember, what they don't remember, yeah. how they felt about this, what people said about it. Um, it gave you like a lot of different views and there, there was a lot of different personalities that were that were very entertaining. And even though it was mainly focused on Daisy and Billy? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you you could still... It wasn't, like, all about them. Like, you, you've, you learned about all the other side characters and their relationships. And, like... I love the keyboardist. The girl? Mm-hmm. Karen. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the twist at the end, or not, like, closer to the end, about who was actually writing the book was very interesting. I didn't mm. see that coming. Mm. Like, yeah, like, it, it was a great book. I can see why people enjoy it a lot. If you like a good story. Yeah, it's a good story. Read the book. And I if you say, like drama. <laughs> I glossed over a lot of the song lyrics. Word same, I feel you. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, I, I was very curious about like certain about how certain things looked or how the author envisioned them to look because it was very I feel like when she wrote these characters there was a lot of sexual tension between them or some kind of tension and there's like one scene where they were shooting an album cover and I really wanted to know or how it would look and I was wondering if there was any fan <laughs> art of it so I talked to Stan and she sent me what they did in the show and I was like this is where the fuck is this tension there's no like 
I don't see any sexual tension. It's just them. a picture, Lynn. Daisy Once again, dressed I, the way she should be. I really have to ask show producers and directors, like, what the fuck? Sam Claflin is a hot man. Why does he look so unhot in the show? Please, I'm begging. <laughs> Did they? Was Billy attractive? Like. I think I his mean, brother was more attractive, right? I think they were both attractive. Like in the book, they were not they were not like exactly. stunning knockouts the way that Daisy was, you know, but I think Daisy it was a combination of personality plus good looks. Yeah. Um whereas like Billy Billy was attractive enough that he cheated on his wife a million times. <sighs> oh god. Justice for Camilla. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and what was your disappointing book? Oh, I didn't really have one. It was just oh, funny. that's that great. Was the last one. Yeah, Yay. I will say there were a few books I want to mention. Like, I read T.J. Clune's most recent book. I feel like his first book was still his best book. Like, it was fine. That's it. His best. His first book. Is still it, was the best book. it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was a good story, but I just think the first one was much better in terms of. The relationships they that all the characters had like I like the characters in this book too in the lives of puppets, but the two leads that were supposed to have like a romantic connection I didn't really feel it and I felt like that was kind of similar in his other book Under the Whispering Door like I didn't see it there and I didn't see it here but mm. I definitely saw it in the first book I don't know what's should, going on man he but... should take some he should take some notes from like contemporary romance authors or something yeah but aren't we don't we not like contemporary romance at the moment yes i'm taking a so. this book that i'm reading it's but i'm saying you can take notes because there are some good ones yeah um and then another one i want to call out call out for um is remarkably bright creatures by shelby van pelt uh, love that book i i really enjoyed it too and as dan mentioned in one of our chats we've created our own category of books called an old book old like book um you know based off of the character from a man called Ove by frederick backman so in this one it's a widowed old lady who's also very stubborn and but she's also really strong and she befriends an unlikely person well creature an octopus and they form like a nice little relationship and they and she and it helps her kind of get over or you know move on with her life and live a happier life but yeah it was it's a great book i wish there was more octopus yay i always wish there was more octopus yeah don't take that out of context that's what she said oh my god i just said (laughs) (laughs) i meant in the book (laughs) uh okay shan um, yeah, so I think I had one five star read this month, which was Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Napolitano. Um, this is actually like a very popular book right now. I think Obama put it on his summer reading list. I completely understand. It was really, really good. Um, very similar to like Flux. It was all about like family and just the ways in which that like we we interact with our family and our history. Um, And I don't really want to spoil it, but I would say it's been likened a lot to like little women in the way that there's like a core group of sisters and it's a lot about their family and kind of what happens to them as they grow up and get older. 
Um, and it was really beautiful. And I like to read like the acknowledgments section of books just for fun, just to see who authors think, um, get a sense of their personality outside of the book that they've written. And I think one of the fun facts I discovered when I was reading this is that the author actually did um, a lot of research on the, I think his book takes place in Chicago. So like on the streets in Chicago to make sure that as she was writing this book, it was like accurate. Hmm. And she like thanked like some historian and stuff uh, for like helping her navigate. I think as the streets were changing because of like gentrification and everything. It was just very cute little fact um, because the city does factor in to, to the story. Yes, it was Chicago because Ooh. they mentioned North uh, Northeastern, which is up in like Evanston, I think. I love a book with a strong sense of place. Yes, it was a, it was a really strong sense of place. Um, I sometimes feel like the popular books are very overhyped, but this one was actually really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I feel like it was on your to-read list for a while. It was. I it was actually, uh, I got it through Book of the Month. So yeah, very exciting. Uh, and I didn't really have a lot of like low star reads. I think the lowest I gave this month was three to a couple Funny. of books. Uh, actually, I gave two three stars and I'm going to talk about the other one. <laughs> Because while Bunny was a three-star read for me, I didn't really have an idea of what Bunny was before I went into it, you know? Whereas mm-hmm. the other book, which was Hello Stranger by Catherine Center, I did have expectations for because I had read her last summer book, The uh, Bodyguard, and I really loved it last summer. And I love a good, like, cute romance story, right? And Stan and I were kind of talking about this earlier <laughs> this week about how romance modern day romances just sometimes don't hit and wow this was this was that (laughs) um (laughs) so the whole thing centers around like a female male character a female um main character who is like an artist and she's a portrait artist so obviously visuals are important and she like gets into this accident very early on and is then diagnosed with facial blindness. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but it's called prosopagnosia. The amount of times this word is mentioned in the book is insane, first of all. Like, just say facial blindness after you've had the doctor diagnose her. <laughs> but also, it just, so much of this main character's, like, problem is that she doesn't know how to rely on the people around her and in in that sense a lot of the other side characters like her stepmother or her stepsister or even like her main love interest become very stereotypical is the wrong word like cartoony almost um it's so hard to believe that those people are real because you're reading them from the main character's point of view her name is sadie and she's just so whiny and needy and it's very hard for you to root for her because it doesn't feel like she's rooting for herself sometimes. Like she just is feeling sorry for herself. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. And like the, the, the truly the worst part of it is that I really liked the male lead. (laughs) I thought that he was a really, really cute, like cute concept, cute, like way that they've met and interacted and stuff. But the way that the romance resolves is just so contrived. It's like it, it everything that people hate about romance novels, you know, when people are just like, oh, my God, how could you hate, read romance? It's so fluffy. The same thing always happens. Like, yes, yes, that's this book. Um, 
<laughs> and it wasn't bad, you know, I'm not sitting here being like, it was horrible. It just, it didn't meet the expectations that I had of it, given that I read The Bodyguard last year and I really liked it. So it was my sad book. <laughs> I will say if it wasn't for The Black Lion, my disappointing book would have been another contemporary romance book where <laughs> it was just the miscommunication aspect of the romance part was so ridiculous that yes, I I wanted to throw the book out the window and shred it up into little pieces. Oh my gosh, yes. Like the miscommunication in this book. Like, okay, can I just spoil it and tell you guys? Because it's, it's truly <laughs> so insane. <laughs> she doesn't want you to read it. <laughs> I really don't want you guys to It's so sad because like the whole thing is she can't recognize faces, right? But she can hear people's voices. And so, <laughs> and, and like, I need you both to understand like the amount of, suspension of disbelief that this author is asking me to have so it turns out that the guy who's been like helping her like navigate her apartment who lives like below her and everything and the one she's obviously fallen in love with is actually the same guy who's been like taking care of her i think dog um who is her vet and so like she turns down a date with the vet because she's in love with the guy who lives downstairs. And then when the guy downstairs starts ghosting her, because obviously she oh sold him God. as a vet, but she doesn't want to be with him because there's somebody else. She gets really upset oh and like lashes God. out at him when she sees oh him again God. in the like penultimate scene. And it's like, and you never came to my art show. And he's like, you literally told me you didn't want to date me because there was someone else. How is that my fault? And... <laughs> And her oh my whole God, thing it's is, like those soap operas with amnesia. Yes. And her whole thing is like, oh, well, your voice like sounded different when you were a vet. And instead of this man being like, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, well, yeah, you know, I have a doctor voice and a regular person voice. And I'm just like, are you, is this a joke? Are you being for real? <laughs> <laughs> no, literally my, the other book that I read that was bad, it's called In the Weeds it doesn't matter. Uh, the miscommunication was that they like, you know, declare their love for each other or whatever. And they have to like go separate ways. And then I don't know, she like, doesn't, she leaves a note, but he doesn't see it. And like, she gets like a flat tire. So she doesn't like come home that Send night. A text. Right. And they have this thing where he, she says like, she called, but, um, there was like no service or something. I don't know. It was something so stupid where I'm yeah. just like, how in this modern day and age with telephones and text messages, do you not just tell like, Hey, I got a flat tire. And she comes home and he's like all upset. And she's like, did you not like open the door to my room and see all my stuff still there that you thought that I just left you? And he was just like, I couldn't bear to even open the door. I didn't want to see an empty room. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Just open the fucking door. You, It's, it's your fucking house. No, what? I get it. That's literally me with this book because he, he goes along with the voice thing and is like, well, you know, I'm a really young guy and people mm. don't trust young guys. So I have to make my voice sound uh oh you know God. like deeper and that's why i do that and he was like but you didn't even ask me my name like you just kept calling me joe because i think the first time she met him in the elevator he was wearing a jacket with the word joe on it and he's like but if you asked me i would have told you my name was actually like oliver or like whatever the vet's name was it was just the whole thing was so chaotic and i was just like what what is happening <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah so i guess we'll be taking a break after uh we've after at least i finished my most recent book which is so cringy um i, I also read one of <laughs> did we trigger you <laughs> sorry <laughs> no mine was not bad okay which one was I this enjoyed it. if the shoe fits by julie murphy Oh, yeah, the Cinderella retelling. Honestly, I didn't realize it was a Cinderella retelling until you mentioned it. Oh, my God. And then I was like, wait, okay, her name is Cindy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she has a shoe obsession. Oh, my God. You know what? Same. <laughs> it um, it gave me a lot of one-to-watch vibes. Mm. Because it's also her going on a reality TV show, but instead of it's one lady with multiple bachelors, it's one bachelor and she's part of the multiple ladies. Oh, and very interesting. Yeah, I don't think there was a lot of miscommunication. It was just a lot of things that drama, like drama that needed to be made for TV. Mm. That she, I guess, took as real. I can buy that. I can buy yeah. that one. I can see myself. Apparently, it's a series. Oh, no way. But it's by different authors. So there's a second one based off of Beauty and the Beast. And her name is Isabel. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. And then it. a third one. Oh, wait, that one is called Buy the Book. And then the third one is called Kiss the Girl. Can you Ariel? Guys guess? Ariel. Yes. Little mermaid. Yep. And her name is Ariel. Wow. Okay, that's kind of cute, though. Find it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I thought mine were cute. Mine was cute. That's good. We love good ones. It's, yes. I think the reason why we read so much of it is because we want to really like them. Yeah. Yes. I think, I think it's also just, like, a good, like, an easy read. So, like, you can... Get through them really quick. It's not easy if I don't want to pick it up because yeah. it's so cringy. I was going to uh, say, yeah. Hello Stranger was not easy. At some point, I was just like, all right, all right. What excuses? Going. What excuses yeah. are they going <laughs> to spark up this time? Well, the yeah. good thing with that is like it's short. Like compared to The Wise Man's Fear. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're still reading. Which I picked back up again. Which would go, which, you know, segues nicely into what we are reading now. (laughs) Yeah. I picked up Wise Man's Fear again by Patrick Ruffis. Only a third of the way through. I got two thirds left. 600 more pages to go. You can do it. You can do it. We're cheering you on. I know. It's going to be really slow. I'm going to have to probably request this book again and wait. um after there's, there's not this, much time left i got i got like three months yeah yeah all right <laughs> a solid a solid four months a solid four months um and then i'm also reading armada by ernest klein we'll see how uh did you like the second you, uh, you said you didn't like the second ready player one right? i think it's a i guess it's a fun story it's a it's a good uh, i don't know i don't even hate it <laughs> I didn't hate it, but you know, I'm not. Uh, we don't know the guy, Lynn. We don't know the guy, Lynn. You can go all out. He's not gonna listen. Yeah, but I don't hate it. Like I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Like it's a mid book. Ugh, I don't know. I don't like mid books. 
Yeah, I gave both of them three stars. Uh, That's disappointing. We'll see. I'm hoping this one doesn't have as much references, but knowing him, it's going to be a lot of references. References that you'll get or no? No, I obviously won't get any of them. I mean, mean, maybe they're gay. What if it's it's like gaming ones? It is gaming ones, but I don't know like all the games. Like he's talking about like really old classic like arcade games with the machines. You've lost me. Exactly. I I also don't really know. There's a lot of Star Wars references, a lot of space references. Oh my God. Sci-fi references. I did read a Star Wars book this month and it was pleasantly good. Love that. Uh, This was Star Wars Fate of the Jedi number one outcast. Can Um, you read it? Like, did you need to know anything about it, about Star Wars? Not, I mean, I guess a little bit, but just like with Star Wars, you can just kind of ignore the things you don't understand. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Just like all the references in the Ernest Klein books. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like they'll they'll like reference a war and you'll be like okay yeah it's a war like it's in the title i don't need to know what happened in the war you know war is war it's like mm-hmm. that sort of stuff um it was quippy there were voices I, again it was audiobook it had like really good sound effects really good voice acting there was music it was fun it was a good time i All right. would i would actually read the next one but it's not available like i don't know where to find it so i'm not in a rush to like read it but it's something that I actually enjoyed listening to, unlike what I'm currently reading, which is another contemporary romance book called Kiss Her Once For Me. It's a um, it's a Christmas romance book, which is even I've better. I've seen this one a lot, actually. It's come up frequently. Yeah, it's about a girl who has, she's an animator, but she was fired. And so she's kind of down in the dumps at a dead-end barista job and... She's still hung up over her one night stand with another woman, um, but she's trying to get over it. And she goes on this date with the landlord of the coffee shop that she works at and finds out that he needs to marry someone in order to get his inheritance. And they go into this fake Fake. marriage trope. We know how that Um, ends out. And then it turns out when he invites her to Christmas to meet his family that his sister is the one night stand. Dun dun. (laughs) Dun dun dun. Um, She has crippling like social anxiety and I hate that. (laughs) She's really cringy. She's like not great. She can't speak. She has like no words all the time and I and I'm like, you're a writer. You're, you are not like, I'm like to the author, you're a writer. Put some words in her fucking mouth. Um, and it's also like Christmassy. And it's like, I don't know if I'm in that mood yet. I'm, I'm a Grinch. So I don't know if I'm, you know, going to like the book. Um, and the other book that I'm currently reading is The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. And it's just a slow book. Not in a rush to finish it. Just kind of a book I read like during lunch and I'm liking it so far. It's very gay. (laughs) He's like, he's like hot and gay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So currently I'm reading three books. 
The Deep Sky by Yume Kitase. Um, Family Lore by Liz Elizabeth uh, Chevedo. And Blood of the Elves, uh, which is like the actual first book in the Witcher saga chronologically by Andred Sap Sapkowski. Wow, I just picked all of the hardest things to say. <laughs> I was about to be like Elizabeth Acevedo. Acevedo, maybe? Um, yeah, no, it's just been, it's been slow goings over here. <laughs> Is it you slow? Reading, You're reading three books. Are, are you reading <laughs> The Witcher with uh, Mr. Shan? I am. He already finished this one. so I'm... He's on like the third one or something. Oh, wow. He's on the fourth one. Yeah. Um, so we read the two like prequel books. So the books are confusing because they were not written in chronological order. Um, so I think the two books that we read already might have been like some of the last to come out, but are technically like the first ones chronologically. So we read those together. And now I'm on three and he's on four. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, and I've discussed this uh, with Mr. Shan, which is that I, my, my big thing with male fantasy writers is that sometimes I feel like they just write the women they want to fuck and they don't actually oh write women. God. <laughs> and so there are moments where like, I genuinely like the main character Geralt um, and I like the, the stories and the adventure. And then I get to the chapter where it's like, and then he sees like Yennefer, the great love of his life. And I just have to read about a scene where he's like falling through space and time with her boobs, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just hard for me as a woman, but <laughs> I it's... feel like one of uh, Mr. Shan's updates was... I yes, I saw it. It was like, apparently everyone just wants to fuck Geralt. Yeah. <laughs> and I was Wait. like, that sounds just like something someone in a male fantasy would write. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. Um... But I do like the story overall. I just don't love the female characters all the time. But Mr. Shan has promised me that it gets better. So I'm waiting for that. <laughs> just Family... read the Brandon Sanderson book, man. It's just better. Yeah, we might do that next. Yeah. Didn't it fall off, though? Because you stopped after a while? Just read the first three. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, otherwise, The Deep Sky is very interesting. I'm not really sure where it's going to end. I think I'm probably going to finish it today. So I'll text Yay. you guys and let you know what I think. Yeah, I think that's it for this month. Wait, no, you didn't tell us what you're reading, Lynn. Uh, yeah, I did. Yes, you did. I had a great segue. <laughs> mm -hmm. What do you mean? I had yeah. a great segue. Oh. About, you know, how, you know, you guys are reading these books, these contemporary romance books. And I'm like, it's an easy read because it's short, unlike... Yeah. The Wise Man's Fear that I'm currently reading. Oh, is that all that you're reading? And oh, and Armada. Armada. Yeah. Wow, they're so forgettable that I literally forgot <laughs> wow, you talked about it. Wow, thank you. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I was just like, like they're my be... Jab at me and not these <laughs> No, no, it's definitely the books. I was like, Lynn must be reading something more interesting, right? Like, there must be more. No. <laughs> really not sure if that was a dig at the book anymore <laughs> I apologize. anyways i am deeply sorry <laughs> that is our episode <laughs> thanks for tuning in and we will Thank talk you. to you guys all next month bye bye, bye. bye.
Hello. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I smoked on my own spit. Oh my <laughs> god. Red leather, yellow leather. One more time, Lynn. Red leather, yellow leather. Blooper reel. Getting it out early. <laughs> okay. <laughs>